0: Keep on keeping that what you love you'll find that someday, soon
1: enough, you will rise up, rise up, yeah. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me, Tracy Enos. How are you, my friend? Hey, Pamela. I am wonderful. Thanks for having me on today. Thank you so much for being here. You're a rock star of many realms, and I cannot wait to get into your story. Before we get into it, I'm going to start off with my most favorite question, which is what inspired you on your path to where
0: you are today? I don't think it was inspiration. I think it was a necessity, out of necessity, being a single parent. And I lost my job in the housing crisis back in 08. And then I also got divorced, a filed for divorce, like within a month from each other. And it was really sucked. And I couldn't find a job anywhere. And I lived down in the Branson, Missouri area. So I couldn't find a job for months and months. And so I finally looked back up in the Kansas City area where I came from. And I found a job with a real estate firm being their mortgage broker for the office. And they did probably 80% of the foreclosures in urban core and uh some suburbs of Kansas City. So I had some job security there. But the problem with that was was that the new school where I live, I live in the suburb of Kansas City, they were charging after school care for two kids just for two hours. And they didn't have to leave the school. They still stayed at the school $700 a month in just two hours of childcare per day. And so I worked something out with with the broker, the owner of the, the real estate firm, and I was able to leave soon enough so I didn't have to pay that at the time. But eventually she closed up shop when the market improved and moved us over back here to another real estate firm in Lee summit. And um, she wanted to double dip. And I just told her to go fly kite. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, no, you know, I'm a little smarter than that. So then I couldn't find another job. And I was kind of back at the, you know, having to find something that would be a little flexible in order for me to get the kids off the bus, I would have to pay that, you know, two car payments, honestly, of childcare, and dang, it's expensive. But anyway, so eventually, I found a job on LinkedIn. And um, it allowed me to work from home. And well, eventually, I ended up working from home, but I would go around to the Sam's Clubs and Costco's, and I would demo their health products on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And within a week, I became the lead. So now I was in charge of all the other promoters with seven stores in the city. And then within two months, I became field regional manager and I had seven states and 83 stores. That was a lot. A lot of work and then i started doing a lot of traveling and i at the time i had a boyfriend and he helped out a lot and of course uh the kids his dad had moved up this way so that helped out too but so it was out of necessity not out of really inspiration and and my business has evolved over time when i first started my marketing agency after i got laid off from the health company that second time from corporate america in four years laid off that just was really horrible I started a digital marketing agency. And although I love selling the services, I didn't like fulfilling the services because it was a lot of work. And so, but that that allowed me to work from home. And then I started um, getting some LinkedIn clients. And then those clients are like, because I couldn't find business in my own backyard. Like I go to these network meetings, BNI meetings. I think I was spending more money on wine than I was making money. And I think out of the whole, you know, year I did this, I got one client and he happened to be my first LinkedIn client. And he was a, a startup biotech company here in the city. And from there, just kind of blew. I'm like, you know what? I found my job on LinkedIn with the nutrition company. Let's see if I can find my clients on LinkedIn. And eventually I started getting clients. Like one of my biggest clients was a, a Philadelphia commercial uh, roofing firm. And then I got another digital marketing agency out of Houston. And then I started getting Canada clients, Canadian clients. And then It just ballooned from there, and eventually, those people are like, "Well, we love what you're doing for us, you know, or how are you doing it? Can you do that for us as well?" I mean, so and then the consulting agency was born from that point, and I've been working from home ever since, and never had to pay a dime to, you know, the daycare, after-school daycare (laughs) for the kids.
1: There you go, rock star! Oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's amazing how how life takes us in certain walks of life,
0: right? Like if you had never gotten
1: laid off, you would have never left there. Would No, started.
0: because I was making six figures. It was a nice cushy job and I did it really well. So it was easy for me. And it's funny how life takes a turn. So just last, like I was telling you, I'm a weevil wobble, like the toys back in the, was back in the seventies or eighties. I don't fall down. <laughs>
1: So. It's amazing. I think that a lot of people can relate who are listening. So I, I've had a lot of friends, family, a lot, and a lot of people that I know that have lost jobs during COVID. And so it's how do you bounce back from that? And how did you deal with almost that rejection and turned it into such a positive thing? I know you mentioned it was out of necessity, but still still takes strength to just plug forward like that.
0: Yeah. And some tenacity, you know? And so uh, like a lot of your clients or people that, you know, lost their jobs in during COVID, I lost a lot of my clients during COVID because they were employed with large companies. So they were either were laid off or furloughed, you know, or they had to take a huge dip in, you know, in their income in order to keep their jobs. So, I mean, For example, one of my two ladies that I was starting to work with at the beginning of COVID worked for a large advertising firm in New York City, and they had to take a 20% pay cut to keep their jobs. Therefore, they couldn't pay me to work with them at that point. Um, I had another client who worked for a prestigious and the real estate side of things for a prestigious gym out in L.A., and, you know, finding real estate for new locations and stuff, he lost his job. And then all three of his kids lost their jobs and he had to move all of them and their families into his house. So I was affected just as well as those folks were, you know, not all of them were business owners, but what I did do is I just turned back to LinkedIn. And within a couple months, I ended up having eight podcast interviews and speaking gigs, even one in Dubai. What? all because of using LinkedIn. Absolutely. I didn't pay money to do ads or anything like that. I just took to my network and that kept myself afloat. That's incredible. That's incredible.
1: The type of person that makes uh, lemon mojitos off of, off of lemons. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I love that. I love that. Now question for you. So Tracy, what did you want to be when you grew up?
0: I wanted to be a veterinarian, believe it or not. Really? Yeah, sure did. My dad, was, I was adopted when I was nine and he was a veterinarian. And so when I was nine years old, I got tasked at the clinic to clean all the cages and the kennels, you know, the ickiest job that you could think of at the clinic, right? I didn't care. It allowed me to play with the animals and I just loved animals, you know, growing up. And so um, even today I have a big old Rottweiler. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: I love that. I love yeah. that. So gr- growing up as a kid, so what was your favorite animal when you were a kid? Dog, dog and
0: horses. Mm-hmm. I would say dogs more than horses because horses, you know, they're they're out in the field and you have to go get them in, and it's a chore to saddle them up and brush them, do all that stuff. A dog is just happy-go-lucky. Horses run from you. Oh, I know why you're coming out to get me. I do not want to be saddled today. <laughs> you're just chasing the horse, you know. So where's a dog, you know, they're just happy to see you all the time. So. Yeah. Oh, my God. At my wedding,
1: my little dog, she went down a remote controlled car. And that was one of the highlights for many people. who Oh,
0: that dog. is so cute. I love it. Dogs are hilarious. I love them so much. Yeah, I don't think that would go over really well. Having a big old Rottweiler coming down the church aisle. <laughs> might scare off a lot of the guests. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I love
1: it. So Tracy growing up, like who, 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 or it could be multiple people or, or things that inspired you growing up. Like who would, who was like a big inspiration or a big mentor in your life?
0: You know, that's hard to say, because like I said, I was adopted when I was nine and I had a very rough childhood, you know, but it wasn't an orphanage and I was in foster care for almost three years bounce around from family member to family member, hit the orphanage when I was five. My mother put me in an orphanage. And then finally at six, the social services took me out of there and placed me in foster care. So, you know, my formative years worked very traumatic. So I could honestly say, you know, growing up, I would say it was my dad. He worked really hard. I loved the clinic. And from a very young age, I learned not just discipline, but I, I learned how to work. Yeah. you know and being from a catholic family and a big family i'm the youngest out of 7 we had lots of chores like 3 hours of chores every saturday and half an hour every day after school unless i had a sporting event or it was a you know a special you know day like my birthday or something like that so i was no stranger to work but when i came to the veterinary clinic you know it sucks doing housework cuz you know oh my god i got to go do housework right but when i went to the clinic and had to clean cages you know, the, there was a benefit. The benefit was I got to play with the animals. Right. And then I got to learn some things like what vet techs were doing and watching my dad do surgeries and things like that. And so there was always a reward with that. And so I I learned early on that with hard work comes reward. And so that's why I looked up to my dad. That's incredible.
1: That's incredible. And how long were you at the clinic for? Like, how long did he have the clinic?
0: Well, when I graduated high school he had uh, a year later, he had sold the clinic, uh, attempted to retire. <laughs> that didn't last very long, and, and as my mom would say, it was he couldn't play enough golf. And so my dad's horrible, and he cheats at golf all the time. Ask my brothers. <laughs> so they moved up to Rescue California, which is you know, about an hour or so from Tahoe. And so um, my dad had an opportunity to help two failing clinics. And one in Placerville, one in El Dorado, and he purchased interest in both of those and he brought them back up to speed. So he sold one for seven figures in San Jose and then he invested in two others and eventually he sold those for his share for over seven figures as well. But I know I worked at the El Dorado Clinic because I painted the darn thing when I was 17 years old, the whole interior. So again, hard work, right?
1: <laughs> so incredible.
0: yeah, so my dad was a very good businessman and, and I, that's what I looked up to with him. And he, he told me something when I was a young age at the, at the first veterinary clinic, he said, you need to know everybody's job from the janitor up to the CEO, he goes, because even if you have to hire somebody or somebody leaves, that job still has to get done. So either you even have to know how to do it, or you have to know how to hire somebody quickly that can do the job. And that's always stuck with me. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's so true though. Any
1: entrepreneur knows every facet of the business. Right. Even if
0: they don't do it well, like the tech side, you know, how long something should take, you know, what looks broken, what doesn't, and then you find somebody to go fix it. Trust me. I went through that this last summer. So (laughs) I love that. Wow, Tracy. So, so after high school, what was your trajectory like? Well, I got accepted at Sacramento state. And unfortunately, you know, that my veterinary dreams went out the window when I realized how much college I would have to do. (laughs) I was like, oh, I'm not doing this. So I decided I wanted to get into sports medicine. Then I realized how much biology I would have to do. I <laughs> uh, like, this is not happening. <laughs> so I kind of flunked out of my first semester of college I got kicked out of the dorm because I got shingles and everybody thought I had chicken pox and no amount of trying to convince, you know, the college that I didn't have chicken pox that I had shingles. So I was, and my parents were of no help at that point. So I just told everybody to go fly kite and I moved back to San Jose, moved in with a friend. And then within a few months, I joined the Navy. Wow. Wow. So you had left college and went and joined the Navy? Sure did. What? How <laughs> long were you at the Navy? Well. Not long enough, I ended up with an injury in boot camp. But here's the cool thing. So, when we were a junior in high school, it was required for us to take the ASVAB score, regardless of whether you were going to go in the military or not, it was required. And because my ASVAB scores, I walked into boot camp as an E2 in aviation electronic tech. And then, as soon as I graduated boot camp, I was an E4. That takes people sometimes four years to get there. And in a matter of eight weeks, I was an E4. And I was working on an E-5 I wanted to go over to Spain and work, be a naval flight officer was my goal and work on the, the big planes, the big P-3s that that go and sweep over the ocean and looking for, you know, uh, mines that are in the ocean and stuff. So that's why I wanted to be the tech behind the pilot, you know, with the, the radar and everything mm-hmm. like that. So that was my goal at that point. But I, uh, I got myself injured and they gave me a medical discharge. Well, they gave me a choice. They said, well, you can stay in, but another billet's not going to be open for another year, which meant I had to stay in the barracks and clean the barracks, which sucked, and waiting for another billet to open at the base, or I could get a medical discharge. And I'm like, they're like, you know, the first thing that's probably going to come open is a yeoman. I'm like, so I went from being an aviation electronics tech with combat experience and clearance to a secretary behind a desk. Y'all can just go fly kite. (laughs) (laughs) I was smart ass 19 year old at that time, you know, and I'm going to be honest with you. I tried to get back in after my daughter was born and I was in South Dakota at the time. And so I petitioned our Senator and I said, Hey, look, I think I was wrongfully because my knee was fine. Never had surgery on it. They did a scope on my knee because I had water on the knee and I was on crutches for a few weeks and, but I didn't have any open knee surgery or anything like that. And I'm like, look, I think I was unfairly kicked out of the military. And so he got me back in and I went through medical and I passed with flying colors and they're like, all right, you can come back in. And then at that point, my daughter was born and I was like, I'm not sure I could leave her for four years, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I didn't end up, you know, reentering back into the military, but I made a point with the military like, because I think that at the time, you know, I was one of the first women that was combat rated in aviation wow. and the men didn't like it. They did not like these women coming in and taking some of these positions that were open. I'm not, I'm not kidding you. And anybody listening to this, if you're in the military, you know you can say what you want. <laughs> but I was the only girl in my class between the, the uh, Navy and the Marine guys. Only girl. There's only a few of us at the time. You know, so I just think that the company commanders up above didn't like the fact that these women were really starting to come in and get these assignments, and that was their way of getting me out of there as fast as they could. Wow. So I was unfairly targeted. So what year, what years was that, Tracy? Let's see, 89, 90. You were one of the first females in your
1: class. Mm -hmm. That's pretty pretty badass to be 19 and be working on aviation electronics.
0: Didn't know I had it in me, but I scored really high in the ASAP score. And you're going to laugh, I can't put together my TV and my and hook everything up. I have to ask my son. <laughs> Maybe that's just because of my old age and I just haven't been, you know, if you don't use it, you lose it. Lose it. So. What? That's
1: so incredible to be a teenager and literally working on such dynamic
0: things. Oh yeah, we were working on fighter planes. So, you know, on the black boxes on these fighter planes. So I was in charge of A6Bs and A6s, I think been a while my brain's got a little kind of some cobwebs in there but yeah so yeah and we would run out on the flight line if the pilot's saying there was something wrong with the plane or or whatnot so yeah or like when like when planes or copters whatever crash then we retrieve the black boxes and get the information out of the black boxes that's
1: incredible totally badass by the way like (laughs) holy crap wow and then from there
0: i love that you went back and you're like nope i was (laughs) i was taken out i wrongly. think yep. what? Mm-hmm. Wow. i'm still fighting my veteran status right now really mm-hmm.
1: wow. you were in there for for a few years
0: no i was in their year so yeah. but they don't want to give it to me they said that i was discharged even though i was honorably discharged i wasn't in long enough so mm-hmm. it's a fight oh man
1: That's incredible. What an experience though, for you to have on there. That's that's yeah.
0: I've got, I've got my package of papers, like DD 214 and all my transcripts and everything like that from DC. And so I got a gentleman who actually came in and did my cable a few years ago says, look, if you're the VA here in Kansas city is not helping you. Here's a number of somebody out in Florida that will jump on this really quick. What a network. That's fantastic.
1: That's fantastic. So after you'd made your transition there, and you had your daughter, that's when
0: you went into the the corporate world. Not eventually, I went into sales, sales, you know, sales, and then I went in. I became a bartender. <laughs> so, that was well, because I was I was twenty one when I had her, and I'd had a son while I was in the military. Because I married a guy, the guy that was in my boot camp, brother boot camp. And then he was also in the same class as me. He was also an AT. I married that fella, but filed for divorce. um, I'm just under two years that we were married. Just, it was not a very good situation. Found out three weeks after I filed for divorce, I was pregnant with my daughter. So now I have two kids. So it was very difficult and didn't have support from my family at the time. I had to do what I had to do. So I started bartending and and waitressing. And that's what I did for quite a long time. I, at that point, didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up. The same thing with me. I started delivering pizzas when I was 16. Well, I started working at my
1: parents' restaurant when I was 10. But, you know, well, as soon as I got my license, I, that's what I started doing. I was bartending and everything for a while you know, not bartending, I'm um, waitressing for a while as well. And delivering pizzas and doing all these things like the hospitality industry is such an amazing prerequisite for entrepreneurship. It's incredible. <laughs> so when people mention that, I'm like, no, mention it because it's fantastic. It means you can handle pressure. You can multitask. You can do all these things. If you're an excellent bartender or waitress, I like automatically know you're built for business, period.
0: I ended up being the, the favorite bartender at the country club in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And then that you're going to laugh at this. The name of the country club was Westward Ho. <laughs> All right. I know. I know. And they, they also, I work some of the banquets sometimes for extra money and they have they had this specialty dressing called hoe dressing. Oh it was blue cheese and French dressing mixed together. It's actually really good, but we just <laughs> laughed that it was called hoe dressing.
1: That's hilarious. Oh my God. That's hilarious. I love it. I love it. I just love the different parts of your journey because you know what it is like life is so not linear. And so many people think that it is. And I'm like, it's just so, uh-huh. so not. You literally went from so many different things. All I once. I did. Veterinarian to Navy to bartending to now the golden LinkedIn advisor, <laughs> the golden right. expert LinkedIn advisor, which I love how you mentioned the realness and behind how you started. Right. Sometimes it's just it's in your path, it's in your wheelhouse and you just make it happen. And I mean, but starting businesses
0: can be super duper scary. So well, how did you do it? <laughs> it was also pretty sloppy to get there too. You yeah. know? <laughs> yes. There was no, there was, nobody had given me a set of uh, a framework. You know, I didn't have a system. And you know, that's one thing I really learned in, in the military was it's all about systems. Something that is duplicatable and repeatable and then it becomes a system. And then that's something any, you know, some, something that anyone can follow as long as you have the steps to get there from start to finish. And I didn't have that when I first started. You know, I didn't have that roadmap framework system, whatever you want to call it. So I was drawing at strings. I was throwing the spaghetti against the wall and hoping that it would stick. You know, So I was trying all these things because I'm an info junkie. So I was buying people's courses. I was reading business books. I was trying this, trying that. And now, I mean, I would consider myself having a master's degree in LinkedIn because I'm in the trenches every day and I'm still even learning because as we know, social media changes very rapidly and I'm not always the first to know about it. And I try to be for my clients, you know, so I can give them a leg up on all the new features or things that have been, you know, removed and whatnot. So I created over, you know, stumbling over my feet, however many times, and now have a system that I follow that now I can teach other people to follow the same system and to generate Success as well.
1: I love that. I love that. And and what was it like starting in the beginning, like brand new, like like you said, because we are trying everything in the beginning. And I and I feel you on that because when I first got into real estate, I knew nothing about real estate. Like it was like a total abyss. I was at every seminar, every networking event online gouging my eyes out with content <laughs> trying to learn
0: build something you know that was my similar journey as well in my consulting business or marketing business i just kept just clawing my way up there and figuring it out you know and if something didn't work then i didn't beat myself up over it you know just all right well let's try this okay that worked all right all right well let's try this oh that didn't work you know even now i have epic failures <laughs> trust me i let's do try. like Lessons, not failures, lessons. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that lessons. Right. But, you know, not everything that I do in my marketing is a home run. It's just not, you know? And so you just got to figure out what works. But if you don't have the foundation prior to trying to figure out what works, then, you know, you're just, I call it hope marketing. It's that's hope, you know, throw it against the wall and hope that it sticks. Hope marketing. Right. So I do encourage people, you know, when they first, you know, get into the entrepreneurial space, start following influencers, see what they're doing, or go look at potential competitors and go see what they're doing. Get on their newsletter lists, you know, see what email, see what products they have, see what their systems are. And let's see if you can, you know, uh, create something that is, you know, don't plagiarize, but, you know, we call it swipe and deploy. You know, do something and make it better, you know, be better than that. And so you got to have a cusp on your competitors, but you also need to understand who's your ideal audience, right? Otherwise you're just marketing to everybody. You know, when you're marketing to everybody, you're marketing to no one. So like a lot of businesses, like, trust me, I can work with just about anybody on LinkedIn that's business to business, right? Even some business to customer, but I prefer not to. And I, I've over the years have figured out that I don't work well with engineers, They're too smart for me. Everything they say is way over my head, (laughs) you know? And I do know that I can't work with certain financial advisors, not because I don't have the talent. It's because the SEC, if they hold any series licenses, they are really limited to what they can accomplish and do in LinkedIn, right? And even then, if they work for a large financial firm, they have an additional layer of compliance as well, you know? So that makes it incredibly difficult. So I choose to go after more of the, the entrepreneurial type of folks or even the small, medium-sized business owners. Like, I mean, I have a, a client in Canada. Okay. That's one of the few engineers that I work with, but he has a team that helps go through some of the terminology and whatever. He's incredibly skilled. He's a mechanical engineer and he makes uh, luxury home products for, to prevent home falls. But so, but it doesn't look like your bathroom, you know, is, you know, some stale hospital room or hospital bathroom, right? Right. He makes it these products that they're very luxurious for the luxurious home. So it's, you're still preventing the falls yet you don't feel like you feel like it's home instead of a hospital. So those are some of the clients. So he's an entrepreneur, you know, he started this business years ago, but I mean, I've worked with everybody from the solo entrepreneur who's just getting started taking their side gig and making it a full-time income to the $50 million SaaS company, you know, so I worked with them all, but I I do prefer to work with the folks that um, already have a consulting business. I worked with a lot of authors and small to medium sized businesses that probably have, you know, 10 to 20 employees.
1: That's incredible. So Tracy, what have been some of your biggest lessons learned, like in business or like favorite stories of different things, like throughout your, your marketing business? Favorite
0: stories. I have some funny stories. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Okay. Uh, all right. So when I started my digital marketing business on the encouragement of my sister who passed away like four or five months after she sat me down and said, look. This is after I got laid off the second time. And she says, you were doing this as a side gig and you were doing it for free. She goes, now it's time for you to get paid to do this. I took that advice and I went home and I I made the the jump. And even though my savings was running out. So so when I did that, I created the digital marketing agency. I was doing like, we were building WordPress websites. We were setting up people's Facebook business pages. I hadn't done any LinkedIn at that point yet. We were doing, you know, getting... The the businesses and the business directories and on the carousel and Google Maps and some reputation marketing and stuff like that. Like I told you, it was fun to sell. I hated fulfilling it. It was a lot of work. But I went to a marketing conference, and I like going to seminars. They're fun. You get all jazzed up, and you get home, and you're on overwhelm. You're like, oh gosh, I don't know what to do next. But this particular one was pretty good, and it was in San Diego, and I had to fly into Phoenix, and then take a connecting flight into San Diego. Well, I got into Phoenix, all of a sudden they closed down the airport. Now, mind you, they're starting at 7 a.m. the next morning. And it's like five or six o'clock at night when I flew into the airport. Well, apparently a gunman (laughs) had ran into the airport. They had, there was a shootout at the gas station across from the airport. They ran into the parking garage. They caught one of the guys, didn't catch the other guy. So they shut down the whole airport. Well, what happened is they weren't letting anybody in and anybody out, including the airline employees. So we had a pilot, but we didn't have enough staff. You know, the, what do you, I don't know what the technical term is. Stewards, stewardesses. Yeah. yeah. I I don't know what the PC term is anymore, but (laughs) so we didn't have enough of those. So we, our flight got canceled. Well, I'm running around now. I have my, look, I've got my carry on and my luggage and I've got high heels on because really when I came into San Diego, my goal is to meet some people and go and have some cocktails. And they're like, well, you now have to go to this whole other concourse, call the airline, see if you can get, you know, on a flight, whatnot. I throw my back out, completely throw my back out with this luggage and everything walking in high heels. Oh, that was just the worst thing. So (laughs) That's not the funny thing. That was a horrible thing. I didn't get in until midnight and I got there just in time to have like a couple drinks at the bar (laughs) before they closed it down at the hotel. But the next morning, which was really fun. And we had four multimillionaires that were putting on, on this uh, marketing conference. And you had, if you wanted to get like one of the very few hot seats. So it was, the conference was Friday through Sunday and my birthday was on Saturday So this was on Friday morning. You could fill out an application for that hot seat. Well, I was one of the first ones chosen for the hot seat. And it was seven minutes and they were going to dissect your business, your website or whatever. And it just so happens I can barely walk. And I got one of the, his name was Mike Koenigs. He helped me up onto the stage and they had, you know, chair height stairs or uh, chairs. And then one of the ladies, her name was Pamela as, as well. She used to work for Tony Robbins. And my hair was super long. So she complimented my hair. And then there was Phil, uh, Paul Colligan. He was the podcast guy. And then Ed Rush. He was CEO, consultant, former fighter pilot. And I think he was Marine. Anyway, so they dissect my business in seven minutes. They told me to fire all my local clients, write a book, and start doing LinkedIn. Start LinkedIn consulting. And that's really where when my business took that turn. Now I did not fire all my clients. I fired one client, which actually was my hairdresser. <laughs> I fired yeah his office. I fired the salon, and then I just kind of phased out the rest of my clients and said Here i'm going in a different direction here's what we're doing mm-hmm. and That was how my business was really born, and that was in September of twenty fourteen I mean I'd been working doing some LinkedIn stuff, but I was getting more and more clients, and they said, This is what you need to be doing and I listened well, about a year later, I get this message on facebook my Facebook business page, not in LinkedIn remember i'm the LinkedIn girl, but on my Facebook business page, and there was Ed Rush gives me his direct cell phone number, says, Hey, are you still doing that LinkedIn thing? It was exactly Jill's words. Are you still doing that LinkedIn thing? I called him. He actually answered. Wow. Answered the phone. And we worked together for almost four years. Wow. Kind of funny story threw out my back. It must've been memorable somehow. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. I, I took their advice and that was, that's how the, the consulting business was born. That's incredible. And, Tracy, what were
1: some of your biggest lessons? You had mentioned that you wished you had somebody who would give you kind of like a business blueprint before you started. So, mm-hmm. what would be some of your biggest tips in creating a
0: successful business, if you will? Well, I've had to learn the hard way. I'm a perfectionist. And this is, I remember what Mike Koenigs had said. He said, money loves speed. And I'm like, man, he's right. But that perfectionist in me is like, all right, this landing page has to be perfect. The copy has to be perfect. The videos have to be perfect. The article has to be perfect. The messages have to be perfect before I pull the trigger. Hmm. No, it, it's called fail forward fast. And I, I think that's the biggest lesson I think entrepreneurs sh- should should take. Don't Don't take the route that I took. Because- I'd been a multimillionaire a long time ago. If I had taken heed to those lessons, fail forward fast, just get it out there and improve it as you go. Okay. Don't sit back and keep perfecting every little thing because then you'll never launch. That's the biggest lesson I've learned in in being an entrepreneur. Go for it. Um, Mm -hmm. the same exact way. I'm, I'm
1: like, nope, this has to be where then I can launch. So you just go. Yeah. You just go. That's why it took
0: me so long to get my book out. Let's talk about your book. Let's definitely talk about your book. Um, this book behind me, it's LinkedIn Publishing of Profits. I wrote it in 2016. Actually, I didn't write it. I performed it. We got it transcribed and then got it edited. And then LinkedIn made a bunch of changes to the publishing platform. I'm so glad I didn't publish the book because I would have had to pull it immediately. But I got frustrated. So I didn't write it again until... Ed Rush was emceeing an event, Dan Kennedy's event in Cleveland, and they were looking for some speakers for the advanced bonus day And they wanted somebody to speak about LinkedIn. Well, all he did was make an introduction. He goes, Tracy, it's up to you. I did not get you this job. This is on you. And so I went through the, the interview process and I had to show him some of my work and all that fun stuff. And I'm a Dan Kennedy student at the time. So you also had to be a Dan Kennedy student. And um, they allowed me to come speak. I spoke at Dan Kennedy's event with some big people on the main stage that Dan Kennedy was on. And um, anyway, so I, I shared the same stage with some really big speakers and very successful folks. And I couldn't go to the event saying I wasn't a best-selling author. Right. So this one, I decided, you know what? LinkedIn's calmed down a little bit. I can write, I can finally write this book. Right. And so I did, and I didn't write it all the way, but I wrote just enough where I submitted it to Amazon and then I pre-sold it. And within 36 hours, I was number one in Canada and in the United States. And then I used that as clout in my presentation as a best-selling author And I'd already had, you know, the graphics done and everything like that. It was pretty cool. And then I got a bunch of new clients from that event, a bunch of new coaching clients. So I'm onboarding all these clients, but I still got to write this book. (laughs) And so, you know, Amazon gives you a deadline. You've got 90 days to publish it. And I missed the 90 days. I asked for an extension. They said, if you don't meet this extension, you'll never be able to pre-sell your book ever again. You'll have to just have it published. And so for 32 days straight, right after Christmas, when I got all my new clients on board and everything was running like a well old machine, I spent four hours a day writing this darn book. And I finally published it on February 7th of 2018. Now the book is a little bit outdated because LinkedIn's made a ton of changes. So we are doing version 2.0 this winter. But um, that book was responsible in 2018 for 25% of my income, doing podcast interviews, speaking gigs, and getting clients. And then even from some of those podcast interviews, I've got people from Holland and the UK interested, and I, I secured coaching clients, Germany, Holland, UK, from that book. That book was responsible for well into six figures of income. And for a year and a half, it sat number one in two categories, that's incredible.
1: Oh my God. So without spoiling it too much, can you give us some little snippets of that amazing book?
0: Well, sure. Well, it's a, the subheadline is a simple five-step system. Remember we talked about systems, yeah. simple five-step system to attract high paying clients, media attention, and speaking engagements. Like I said, a lot of this is still out of date, but the first chapter is all about your profile and the foundation work that we talked about here just a little bit ago. And so that's very important in LinkedIn. Unlike any other social media, um, like Facebook or Instagram, whatever, you got short bios. Well, LinkedIn, you have a big profile. And so we talk about how it should be very client-facing. So it's not all about you. LinkedIn's grown up since then, right? Since back in, I think they it was 2002, 2003, they've grown up a lot. And they've grown up not because they change, it's the members on LinkedIn that started, they started taking notice. And like, you know, people are really starting to use the platform, not just to find good talent, you know, or candidates to fill open positions, but people are using it for marketing. They're using it for creativity. They're using it for unique content and things like that. So it's all about your profile because 99% of the activities that you do in LinkedIn are tied to your personal profile. Company pages are very limited in the activities they can, you know, they can do. They can do a little more, more things now than when I wrote this book, but it's still about your profile, your personal profile. But what people are forgetting about the profile is the human side of you. Look, we do business with people we know, like, and trust, right? So if this is like a cold person that you're reaching out to, or somebody sees a, a, an article that you wrote or a piece of content in the feed or something like that, they don't know you. So it's all about perception, right? So they have to perceive to know you. What people forget is they don't fill out the, the rest of the their profile, like their volunteer work organizations they support any big projects that they've worked on or collaborated with you know even the education look i don't have a traditional education but i put my military experience in there and trust me i know when somebody's looking at my profile cuz they mention the military experience well guess what that just said that is now a warm conversation instead of a cold conversation and those are the conversations that i like definitely but then we talk a a little bit about the publishing platform. Like I said, that's changed a lot. Um, I won't go into that here. And then I talk a little bit about his chapter about the newsfeed. So when this book gets rewritten, we're going to talk about LinkedIn Live. We're going to talk about events. We're going to talk about native video. We're going to talk about now even company pages can write articles instead of just on the profile. We're going to talk about how to promote your events and your LinkedIn Lives. And we're going to talk about newsletters, which is the new publishing platform and of course, the first chapter will be, it's all about your foundation and your profile. So we won't forget that.
1: Love it. Tracy, thank you so much. You're a rock star. I can't wait for 2.0 to come out. And that should
0: be soon, yeah? Well, it'll probably be twice the size. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Love but, that. I mean, this is the five steps. We're going to have a little bit different approach. It's still going to be LinkedIn Publishing Your Profits, but we'll have a different sub-headline. You know, I haven't figured that out yet, but there'll definitely still be a system in here. Definitely. I love that, Tracy. I love that. I'm about to ask you my favorite question.
1: My favorite, favorite question. You ready for it? Shoot. (laughs) What would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now?
0: It's it's about failing forward fast. It's just, don't be the perfectionist that you are. Trust me, I'm an organization girl. I mean, I'm not to the point where... You know, every can has to be facing, and you know that I'm not that you know anal about things. But when it comes to my business, everything seems to have to be perfect before you pull the trigger. And that's what I would tell my younger self. You know, that is one of your fatal flaws that you got to work on immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, we all have our superpowers and we all have our fatal flaws. So if I would recognize that fatal flaw a long time ago, I'd be a lot farther along than than I was, a lot sooner. Love that. Thank you so much for sharing that, Tracy. And now.
1: What's up in your world in the next six to 12 months? What's happening?
0: Well, besides the book, that'll be a a big launch. We are launching, I haven't launched a digital program since 2015. We are going to be launching the ultimate LinkedIn Profile Framework. It's going to be a digital course and it's going to go through that profile, that foundation work from A to Z. You know, that is, you know, the one thing that's responsible for myself and my clients um, in millions of dollars of new business. Podcast interviews, and speaking engagements. And so it all starts there. I know a lot of folks do programs at all about LinkedIn, but I'm gonna like, trust, trust me, LinkedIn's overwhelming. There's a lot of buttons, there's a lot of bells and whistles, but you don't need to do it all to make a good, healthy six plus figures, right? Mm-hmm. And so it starts with the foundation. And um, and what's cool about it is we're throwing in a bunch of really great bonuses so that you can get a jumpstart on like your marketing after your profile is complete. Because we're going to be adding incrementally some more over the next twelve months. We'll do a full Sales Navigator training on prospecting. Then we're going to do a whole thing about content and using content to generate, you know, business development and new leads, branding and new leads. And then we're going to talk about what I've been so successful with is probably more catered towards business people who have you know big services or whatnot, and including authors or consultants. And we're going to talk about using LinkedIn to find podcast interviews, like you and I found each other doing that podcast interviews and getting speaking gigs, all from just LinkedIn.
1: That's amazing. You're a total rock star, Tracy. I'm so excited for everything that you're launching. Now you got to let everyone know where to find you so they can see all these amazing launches and all this awesomeness.
0: Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. (laughs) Go figure, right? No, uh, I'm the, I was the very first Tracy Enos on the platform in 2009. And I think if, I haven't checked lately, but I'm still the only one with a photo. Find me at Tracy Enos on LinkedIn. That's E-N-O-S. If you are a Dukes of Hazard fan, then it's Enos from Dukes of Hazard. If you're a little older and you're a, a St. Louis Cardinals fan, it's Enos Slaughter. So that'll help you remember that.
1: <laughs> uh, you're amazing, Tracy. Thank you so much for being here today, sharing your story and all the awesomeness that you're up to. It was such an honor.
0: Well, thank you. I got one more thing too. Yeah, I'm going to give, I'm going to give your audience a gift. How thank would you like you. That? <laughs> Love that? We're going to give you a gift of this book in PDF form. So you don't have to buy it. And we're going to give you my updated 28 point profile checklist. How cool is that?
1: Thank you. Oh my and
0: God. All y'all guys have to do is go to uh, the ultimate profile
1: checklist.com. Thank you so much, Tracy. So anyone who's listening, please, please, please sign up for both of those. Tracy is an absolute rock star in her world and this will transform your presence on LinkedIn and everywhere else. And then you can connect with her for all of her awesomeness that she has coming up. Thank you so much, Tracy, for offering that to our guests. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Pamela. Wow, this was fun today. a <laughs> good time. <laughs> Thank you so much. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own.